One Sunday, following the morning worship service, when most of the people had departed the sanctuary, a five-year-old boy slipped away from his parents and a group of adults who were talking in the aisles, and the little boy passed the baptismal font, and he came up the steps uh, to the pulpit, and then he peered over the Bible and looked into the spacious sanctuary, and he saw his parents and others talking in the aisle, and then he said in a loud voice from the pulpit, hey, look at me. The parents looked up, and they were smiling, and they were amused, and just then, one of the ushers who was straightening up the pews, responded, we've heard that sermon before. (laughs) It's an undeniable fact that human beings have a selfish side, whether they accept it or not. All of us seem inherently inclined to draw attention to ourselves. So many social media platforms have come into being and maximizing on this inclination that is ours as human beings. How many ways can we post things about mostly ourselves? And certainly, preachers can get just as caught up in touting themselves as anyone else. Hey, look at me. We have to be on guard against this, especially preachers. We've come to church to worship God. Sermons are meant to be about God. Faith is about following Jesus in the world, not meant to be about the preacher, hence the story about our robes. Presbyterians have always tried to cover up the preacher so that it can be about God, so the Spirit can work, so the Word can be conveyed, God's Word. But all of us, all of us, not just preachers, have to keep working on this. It's a journey. I came across this nice summary recently. Not every day is a good day. Live well anyway. Not everyone will tell you the truth. Tell the truth anyway. Be honest. Not all you love will love you back. Love anyway. Not all deals are fair. Play fair anyway. Those lines remind us that our lives are intended to be rooted in in something other than selfishness. Our lives are meant to be rooted in the truth that we belong to God and our lives are about serving God in the world. We're rooted in an ancient and sacred tradition and it's about honor and it's about purpose and it's about integrity And it's about God's goals for the world. Selflessness, humility, giving, serving. And what we know is that so many people haven't figured this out. Life is so much more for many people about getting people to look our way. Getting people to do what we want looking out for ourselves, maximizing our advantages. It's good to learn and repeat those kinds of lines. Live anyway. Love anyway. Be honest anyway. Play fair anyway. This is who we are. This is God, who God wants us to be instead of being 
inclined toward selfishness and self-interest. Each week, our Presbyterian tradition, uh, in addition to our wearing black robes, also in the life of worship, uh, gives significant attention to this journey away from selfishness to selflessness. We have the prayer of confession every week. And these were the words today. With our creative skills, we make many good things, but we also create weapons of destruction, and we continue to harm one another. That's because we're fearful and we're selfish. With our zeal for living, we also damage the earth and we limit future generations. That's because we're often too turned inward, not outward. With our pursuit of control and power, we're also, we've also divided humankind and we find ourselves alienated and in trouble in many areas. See, this is to say selfishness is dangerous. Selfishness is not what God intends. So we're all good at saying, hey, look at me. We're all good at that. And yet our constant calling is to keep working on this, examining ourselves, uh, confessing and turning and striving to become more and more the kind of people that God calls us to be, helping, serving, giving, going. And we have to keep working on it every day, every week, every season of our lives. Our second lesson today is the lesson that the choir sang. So the words are printed in the bulletin with a few exceptions uh, as the words of the anthem. It's a hard story, this one about the Pharisee and the publican. It's a hard story because it's convicting. And when we feel convicting, we're not usually inspired. We just feel bad. This is a convicting story. But perhaps this can speak to us afresh today and that we can hear what the Spirit is saying to us in our lives. Hear it again as I'm reading from Luke 18. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my, all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. I want to call attention to that first line that I read that's not in the anthem, and that is the audience in this passage. Some of you know that I keep in my study a sketch of, by Rembrandt, and it's right above my desk where I sit and do most of my writing. The Rembrandt sketch is called Jesus Came Preaching, and it's a sketch uh, that Rem Rembrandt did that, that touches me because Jesus is in the middle of a big crowd. 
They're men and women. They're rich people and poor people. You can tell by what they're wearing. There's some who are so together, and there's some who are totally unkept. There are older people. There are younger people. There are children. Uh, some of the people are intently listening, and other people are seemingly bored listening to Jesus. That's why this picture inspires me. Some people are intently listening, and other people really don't seem to care. But in this passage, take note of the audience that's hearing this parable. Luke says Jesus is speaking to, quote, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Wow. We've gotten so good at that. Feeling righteous, looking at others with contempt. One translation puts it like this. These people, the ones hearing the parable, had confidence in themselves as righteous, yet showed disdain for everyone else. The message says this. Jesus was speaking to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at all the common people. Feeling righteous, showing disdain for others, taking the high moral ground and looking down our noses at everyone else. Yep, Jesus has some harsh words for us because this is how we are very often. When do you think it happened last for you? Feeling righteous, looking with contempt at others. Feeling confident about moral choices and looking down at others. Maybe it was a recent political comment that you made. Maybe it was some situation with a neighbor or a coworker. Maybe it was driving to church today. Feeling confident, righteous. Disdain for others. This is a hard passage because we can all fall pretty quickly into this way. Like the Pharisee. Thank you, God, he says. Thank you, God, that we're not like those people. It sounds like gratitude. It starts with thank you. It's not gratitude. It's not. It's not gratitude at all. It's about ego. It's about pride. It's about some sense of accomplishment. It's about something else besides faithfulness. It's about self-appreciation. It's about arrogance instead of selflessness. Jesus wants us to know. Jesus wants us to get it. Jesus wants this to become part of who we are. Righteous thinking, confidence, certitude, and then disdain toward others. That is very dangerous commentator and friend, New Testament professor at Union Seminary, John Carroll, writes about this passage, and he reminds us that there's not just Jesus making the point about the danger of righteous thinking and disdain for others. He actually unpacks this passage, lifting up the real distinctions between the characters in the story, distinctions that came out in that anthem we just heard. The Pharisee is standing off by himself. He's better than everyone else, so he's off by himself, it says. And the Pharisee 
is full of words. He uses 29 words in this very short passage. And among his words are five first-person verbs. All five of those verbs are self-referential. I did this. I'm doing that. I did this. I do that. They're centered on the self, not on God, not on God's ways, but on the meritorious activities of the man who claims to be so virtuous, so certain that he's better than everyone else, and particularly full of disdain toward that other person, uh, the tax collector. Thinking about this passage, we should certainly be careful when we begin a prayer. Thank you, God. I'm not like fill in the blank. Thank you, God. I'm not like that. When we do that, we're drifting quickly away from God and God's plans for our lives. It's not gratitude. It's not. It's exaltation of the self. It's really not even a prayer. It's pride and boasting, which would carry us right away from God and what God wants for us and the joy that God intends for us. One of my favorite quotes of all time comes from theologian Karl Barth, and Karl Barth says that grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice and echo. It's beautiful. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice and echo. Gratitude follows grace like thunder follows lightning should be automatic. Grace, gratitude, gratitude, grace. That's a picture of what it's meant to look like. Grace, gratitude, gratitude, grace, flowing back and forth. Scornfulness, disdain for others, arrogance, not meant to be part of the picture. Touched by grace, shaped by God's ways, does not ever look like that. Arrogance. Self-congratulation, disdain, contempt. It always looks like generosity, compassion, humility, kindness, peace. The key line in this passage is consistent with everything else about Jesus. All who lift themselves will be brought, all who lift themselves high will be brought low. Those who lower themselves will be lifted high. In fact, Jesus made the same statement verbatim. The Greek matches up almost perfectly four chapters earlier in a story about the guests that we're supposed to invite to our dinner and how we are to sit at a table in somebody else's house. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. All who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus keeps refiguring what status and honor look like in the realm of God. He wants us to get it. What does status and honor look like in the realm of God? He keeps saying it. This past week, like many of you, my mind, my heart, my prayers, and much of my time was focused on a longtime member of this church, John Meeser, He was a faithful servant in the life of this church. He was a faithful servant in the life of this city. Along with Sharon, they made such a difference. 
In particular, John helped us understand Richmond. After a slow decline, after months of lying in the bed at the Hermitage, after several weeks of hospice care, John slipped peacefully from the loving presence of his family into the loving and everlasting arms of God. That happened this past Monday. As many of you know, John Meeser's life and work impacted this city in significant ways. He loved Richmond, his adopted new home. And when he came here to join the faculty at VCU and build the Urban Studies Department in the early 1970s, John's commitment to research and his convictions and courage educated so many of us. More than that, John challenged the city to address its racist past and work toward a more equitable and future with justice. John became the foremost expert on data in this city, data about where poverty was most concentrated, data about where services were most lacking, where policies most discriminated, against certain groups where life was actually most unfair and unjust. And John was especially attuned to the critical and the destructive issues of segregation and oppression in Metro Richmond. So while John was a scholar and a civic-minded leader for all things Richmond, what we'll all most remember about John is his humble character, his sincere care, his kindness, his selfless ways. He didn't draw attention to himself, only the data. And the data, he hoped, would move people to action. He didn't lift himself up. He nurtured relationships. He built connections and friendships. He made humble and compassionate ways all through his life. He didn't look with disdain on others, only graciousness and commitments to make the city and the world better. Grace, gratitude, more grace. That was John. Thank you, God, not like the Pharisee, so focused on lifting himself up. Nope, not that. Thank you, God, Thank you, God, for helping us see what really matters. Not self, service. Not disdain for others that gets us only more trouble, but devotion and compassion that make the world better. Not scornfulness, but sincerity in our connections, humility in all our actions. Not arrogance, but kindness and care for others. May we live with faith, hope, and love, empowered by God's Spirit, always attentive to one another and attentive to the critical needs of the world that God calls us to keep working on. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you love us so well. You give us life. You promise never to leave us. And you keep showing us the way. Humility, kindness, grace, gratitude. Indeed, we seek to follow Jesus. Amen.